Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In today's episode, I am joined again by the wonderful Greg Benz. Welcome back to Photo Taco, Greg. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. Uh, so glad you would you could you could join me talk about this really important topic. And um, so this the, the idea to do this episode came from our Facebook group. And if you have not joined the Facebook group, we have two of them. There's the Photo Taco Facebook group that um, that you you can go join, but also from the Master Photography Podcast Facebook group. You'll want to find both of those and uh, and go join those groups if you're on Facebook. But we had a discussion. I think it was in the Master Photography Facebook group. There was a discussion that that went on about RAID. And someone had asked, okay, what RAID system should I buy? What should I – what is this thing? Why would I want it? They were, they're just asking like some basic questions. Hearing from a lot of photographers about that in the past, they, they wanted to know about it. So I thought, well, this sounds like a great photo taco episode. Plus, I just got done reading your blog post, Craig, on RAID and um, in your experience with some stuff that you've gone through over the last little bit. I thought, oh, we need to make sure this is shared to a broad audience here. You, they need that to know about that resource. So I'll make sure that, that the link to that article is in the show notes. Um, Greg, I wanted to start it off then by just talking like – we're, we're going to talk about storage a lot in this episode, and I've done some previous episodes. I'll have some links in the show notes to some other photo talk episodes where I've talked about storage because that becomes a problem for photographers like really, really fast. In fact, I remember when I when I first started getting into photography a few years ago, um, I didn't realize I, – I mean I had no idea cameras even shot in something called RAW. <laughs> I didn't know that was there. So I was familiar with JPEGs and I knew JPEGs can be fairly large too. But my goodness, RAW files are way bigger, several times larger than than JPEG files. And when I figured out that I, I got a camera and I started to figure out how to use it and I figured out it could do RAW mode and, and then started to, to keep my photos, I realized very quickly and I think most photographers do – I need some more storage. I need to figure out what am I going to do. So um, RAID is one of the ways that you can solve this problem. But Greg, we talked before we got on the – we started recording. There's some other options that we can talk through about what it is, how you can solve this problem. Do you remember when you when you first faced that problem, Greg? Um, so I have a ton of data. Um, I – I probably have more hard drives than anyone you've ever met. I probably have like 30 <laughs> hard drives. No kidding. Uh, I've got about 10 terabytes of actual data. So I, I crossed that threshold where the hard drive in my computer wasn't going to cut it. I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. I've been using sure. RAID for, I have to look at my receipts or something, probably like six, seven, eight years, something like okay. that. Um, so yeah, and, and, it's, and it's funny because you keep thinking, well, one day... You know, the, the computers are going to get so powerful, you know, the storage will be so large that it won't be an issue. But we just keep buying, you know, better cameras and taking more pictures. And right, it's like right. That moment, that moment never occurs. We just keep, you know, saving more data. Right. And the cameras keep, like you said, the, the sensor sizes, you know, they, they get more detailed and more and larger. So, you, I mean, you have like 4K. That was a massive leap. If you do video, my, I don't know how people do video because that, that's just way more than photos too. 4K and now there's 8K stuff that's out there and, and just our storage demand. 
I don't see it going down. It's it's getting worse. And unfortunately, I don't really see the solutions uh, keeping tra- keeping up with that. Like our our increasing demand for storage, the solutions are lagging behind, especially in the area of backup and online backup in particular. That's that's a a problem. And we're going to try to address that a little bit at the end of the show here. Um, all right, so. I want you to try to describe what a RAID system is first. We're going to talk right after this about kind of storage options, how you can deal with it before you even get to RAID. But tell what is RAID, Greg? Try to explain it. We, we, on Photo Taco here, we try to go through a, a technical topic and use it and, and describe it, dive into it in a way that like the most beginning photographer could understand what we're talking about and maybe why they should care, maybe why they need to like start saving a little bit for it now because it's expensive. Um, so, so what, what would you say, Greg, how would you define RAID to someone that's maybe like a very beginning photographer? Yeah. So if you, if you look up RAID, you're going to see it's an acronym that just stands for redundant array of independent disks, or some people call it inexpensive disks. I guess they're both right. acceptable, but the basic idea is you know, RAID has been around since the early days of just having old spinning hard drives before solid state drives were really common. And um, so the general idea is when you get one of these spinning drives, it has two problems. It's really slow and it's liable to break. You know, these things just fail. They're, they're spinning mechanical machines. They're and like time bombs. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, I, I feel like I just... I break everything. I think I've had at least <laughs> five hard drives crash. Probably more than that if I added it all up. So, I mean, if you're if you're one of these people who've never had your hard drive crash, you're lucky. But it's like it's it's going to happen if you you know yeah. if you store enough data, use your hard drive enough, it will fail. It's just going to happen. Well, it's it's not a matter of taking care of it either. It's not like you're abusing these things. I mean, some maybe are, but it's it, even if you baby the drives if you try to to keep them cool you don't try you try not to shake them and keep them uh out of harm's way all of those kinds of things they're still going to they will fail they absolutely will 100% they will fail it's just how long is it going to take no doubt although there was that one time when i accidentally baked a drive because i forgot to put ventilation on a home home built computer <laughs> nice yeah nice yeah that was good um so, so with RAID, the, the whole idea is that uh, some very savvy engineers a long time ago figured out that these two problems, slow drives and unreliable drives, could both be addressed by basically chaining a bunch of hard drives together and making them act like one drive. Right. And so you, you can imagine the speed thing's pretty obvious, right? If you, if you connect a bunch of drives, you can imagine like, you're accessing each one of them at the same time. It's like multitasking. So of course you can read and write data faster with multiple drives. The redundancy parts, maybe not as obvious. The idea there is that if you configure a certain type of RAID, because there's a lot of different ways you can set it up, you can make it so that more than one drive stores any given like bit of a file. It's not that like there's multiple copies of your file. It's a little more complex than that, but basically the same data gets written to multiple drives. So if one of your drives fails, you don't actually lose your your data, which obviously you don't want to lose your data, but it also has a secondary benefit, meaning that you don't have to have any downtime, you know, because trying to restore your data can take a long time. You might have to buy a new drive. The the backup process can take a long time. I just restored a computer. It took literally days to right. uh, to get that going. So um, by putting these things together, if you set it up the right way, you can get speed, reliability, or you can choose some middle ground to get both. And that's that's usually where people go is they'll pick 
some right. type of RAID, like RAID 5 is one of the variants that will give you much faster data, but also more reliable against a hard drive crash. Okay, and you just used a term I'm sure a lot of people won't know, RAID 5. We're going to talk about it in a second. We're going to describe the RAID levels, and we're, we're going to go through that. But, okay, so, yeah, the RAID, in the most dumbed-down way I can think of, and I, I guess I shouldn't say it that way because that might be offensive to people, in, in a way that makes me as easy to understand as possible, it's a way to make a whole bunch of disks look like one disk. And there's the benefits, like Greg just talked about, with adding performance that you make them faster because you have all those disks that can all be kind of used at once. And then, um, and, and reliability, they can, they can kind of auto back each other up. And, um, the RAID system is built to do that for you. The problem can be, and 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 we're going to talk about this in the backup part of it. It is not a replacement for backup. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, now, okay, so that's what RAID is, it, and it can be pretty expensive, especially compared to like a single drive. When a photographer is looking at, okay, I have a problem with storage. I there's no there's way more storage needs than I, than my internal computer has. I'm going to need to do something about this, Greg. What's the first recommendation? I, I call this kind of the fir- first storage wall. This is like they they realized I, I mean that's what i just talked about with with my own experience i realized raw files were huge and they were i was going to fill up my hard drive like really fast as i was capturing images and filling up memory cards from my camera and then dumping them on my computer it wasn't a few months before i realized i've got to do something about this i'm going to need a lot bigger hard drive how do you recommend they kind of solve that problem first what where would you point them greg you, you know what? You, neither of us actually addressed like physically what it is that like it's like a, the hard drive's going like one box and you have one cable. I feel like <laughs> okay, I feel, I feel like I feel like we should explain that because we were just saying it's like a bunch of discs. It sounds like a science fair project. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> is that I, fair? I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, no, you, that's, that's you, you, you set the question up greatly, and I just quashed it. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're great. You're great. You're right. Okay. So yeah, we, what do these things look like then, Greg? What what does a RAID system Okay, I you are right. As people listen to that, they might conjure up like, okay, wait a minute. Am I going to have like 10 hard drives that all have their own cable connected to my computer and and then I have to install software to make it? And actually, there are solutions where you can make it work like that. But that's not what we're talking about here. What what do these things look like? How do they function? So so generally speaking, right, when, I, when we say multiple drives, what you're actually buying is going to be an enclosure. It's a box that holds other hard drives. And most of the time when you buy one of these things, it's going to come with drives, but sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So you might have to buy like the box and buy the drives, then you just physically put them in. But at the end of the day, you have one box. It's kind of bulky, much bigger than your average hard drive because it's stacking a bunch together, but it's one box. And then you just plug it into your computer with a cable or some of these things um, actually can be essentially wireless. Um, And that's another topic we can kind of dive into, but Basically, there's, you know, one physical thing you're going to connect to your computer somehow. Yeah, and the, how big are these? They're, um, you know, it's kind of like this. Oh, I mean, what's a good description? I, I feel like it's it's like not quite the size of a shoebox, but they're they're kind of big, right? I mean, imagine taking an old school hard drive and you stack like four of them together, six of them together. You're starting to get the idea, like add a little bit of size to that. And it's right, it's a little bit right. bigger than the actual drives inside of it. Yeah, and they, they can produce, like some of them can produce some heat. Um, and they better actually get the heat out of there because if the drives drives produce heat as they spin, 
And that is an enemy to the drive. Like that makes them fail faster than anything else is the heat. If you get too much heat, you're going to kill and cook that drive. And it's the life expectancy is going to be way less than it should. So a, a good one of these devices should have some kind of a system to take the heat away and, and get rid of it. That means that, that around the enclosure is going to be a little hotter. So you might want to get it a, l- a little bit away from your computer if you can um, when, when you get one of these things. And most of the, the ones that we'll mention, um, they, they have the, the enclosures. Uh, you know, Drobo is the, the household name for photographers. Everyone kind of knows what those are or has heard of a Drobo device. So that's one of these kinds of things. Uh, Promise makes some good ones. G-Tech makes some good ones. And those, those are more of the direct attached storage where it's like a, a USB or Thunderbolt connection that's going to connect to it. And then there's the, um, the other, the, the NAS kinds of systems. And that there's, there's, uh, there's Lacey for that. There's uh, Synology. And there's a bunch of vendors that sell these kinds of products that, that do that. And those connect through a network connection. Uh, Lacey has both, actually. And so does Drobo. They have both. USB Thunderbolt kind of direct connection as well as they offer some network connected ones. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in just a second. Okay, so now back to the question that we, well, do you feel like we covered the enclosure now and <laughs> what it looks like? Yeah, I, I think the bottom line people should know is it's kind of big, it's kind of heavy, and it's it's going to sit at home. You're not going to travel yeah, with oh. one of these things, right? I mean, you could, but I mean, it's it's like carrying a bowling ball around. That's probably a good comparison. I mean, there are some like small ones that run with solid state drives, like the Drobo Mini, but that's probably not the solution that a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to be looking at. So there are like small raids, but I, 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 that's kind of a niche thing. Most raids are, they're, they're kind of, I mean, yeah, I I, I could take one in my car to like a local job or something like that, but I really wouldn't want to. Right. Okay. That's that's a fair point too. These are not intended to be mobile. You don't want them to anyway. You don't want those discs bumping around. And like I said, those, those are an enemy to hard drives too. They, they take wear and tear. They're not built. Most of these are not the big ones. The the three and a half inch size drives are not built to, to really do that. They're built to be installed and put and held in place. So, so, uh, that's what you want to do with them. And that's what these enclosures are. So if you're, if you're a mobile photographer and, you're going to want this at home. You're going to want to put this so that you're like larger Lightroom or, or library or photo libraries on there. But then you're going to probably need um, something that's like a, a smaller external, just single external drive um, for when you're out mobile and then doing that. And then kind of deal with, that's uh, a whole separate topic and another problem, how you merge those two things together. But that's, that is a, a, a thing there. Okay. Now, so Back to they're solving that first problem. Like they just ran out of space on their computer, kind of a newer photographer perhaps because they they just realized I need to get extra storage. Probably don't don't want to recommend they jump all the way to RAID right then. So what what should they do? Yeah. So when people are looking at storage solutions, I, w- I was kind of thinking about this before the show. To me, there's like five categories that that people think about. There's obviously the size. That's the whole purpose for getting some other drive usually. There's the speed, you know, how quickly can you actually access your data? Because these different solutions have a lot of different uh, right. range of read and write speeds. There's the reliability, um, you know, how robust is it against failure? Uh, there's the portability that we talked about, and there's the cost. So those are all important factors, and there's a lot of choices in there. And, and not just for RAID, right? I'm, I'm comparing things like just buying a regular standard hard drive or a solid state drive or using a cloud service like uh, Dropbox, right? These are all different mm-hmm. ways we could expand our storage or 
you know, take it with us or, or that sort of thing. So for most people, I think, you know, obviously you've got your internal hard drive and whatever computer you have. And, and most people are just, they're going to be happy with that until it's getting relatively full. And then they got to think about something else. And, yeah. and so I think for a lot of folks, unless you're a professional, the next logical step is usually I'm just going to buy a cheap regular drive because you can go out and buy, you know, multiple terabytes of storage for not that much money. Right. Um, in fact, a, a really good solution for, for not too much money is uh, solid state drives now are getting pretty decent. Like you can go and get um, my favorite drive, this uh, SanDisk Extreme Portable solid state drive. You can get a two terabyte drive now, which is lightning quick. Um, and that thing is like 380 bucks now. Right. So, you know, that's a lot cheaper than buying a RAID. It's going to be as fast as a RAID and it's two terabytes of storage. So, you know, it's not until you start needing a lot of storage or a lot of speed or both that I think you need to think about RAID. So if, if cost is a factor, you probably get like a, a regular spinning drive. If you get a little bit more money, more money, a solid state drive is great. But if you have a lot of data or you want to add a little more robustness, that's when you might start thinking about a, a RAID. And it's it's a pretty big jump in cost, right? You're, yeah. you're, not, you're, not, <laughs> yes. you're, you're probably not going to get a RAID that's going to really make you you know, feel like you got a big upgrade until you're spending over a thousand dollars and it might be two, three, $3,500 in the U S it can can be a lot. Yes. That's, that's going to be kind of the, the limiting factor. So I agree with you. The first thing when, when a photographer is facing that first storage wall, like my internal hard drive is almost filled up. I got to do something about this. Yeah, you go buy an external drive. That's that's the easiest way, cheapest way, and it's still a good solution. Now you don't. I, I'd recommend you don't buy just one. You buy two so that you can set it up to back up between them too, because you don't have anywhere else to put them, and you don't want to get in a situation where that one hard drive is the only spot your photos are on. That is a bad place to be. So you buy two, and then you set it up so that they can get mirrored. Um, through through uh, there's lots of tools that that you can use for that, and then uh, and then I'd also encourage an online backup at that point. When you're getting serious enough, where you've got enough photos that you need an external drive for your photos, you really need to consider that. And I, I love Backblaze for that solution. They're not a sponsor of the show; it just happens to be the service that I use and really really like and can recommend. Okay, so so that's great, and we'll put a link to that SanDisk drive in the show notes. Um, I love that drive. That is a beautiful solution. It's great for both PC and Mac, so that's a, a perfect thing there, and, and uh, they're great. They're really, really good. An ideal solution for you because they're fast enough that you can do all of your editing from them, no problem. Even video editing from them would be great. And, and okay. Jeff, I would, I would uh, second that recommendation on Backblaze. I've tried so many different systems over the years, and I've been so disappointed in, in <laughs> everything else I've tried until I just started trying Backblaze. I've only been using it for two weeks, but they've got, you know, high quality encryption. It's fast. Yep. It works when your computer has file vault enabled. It just, yep. um, I mean, it's, it's, I'm only a couple weeks in, but it's the first time I've ever felt like I had an online solution I liked. So yes, fully automated. Like I, I set it and forget it. It just is always backing up. It's beautiful. And I, I get comments all the time from people. I've talked about this before on the show. Like, oh, it's so slow, though. And 
okay, that's it. it actually, Backblaze has little choice in that. Your internet provider is probably the key issue there, which is why we talked about when I said earlier, backup, the online stuff is just not where it needs to be. Most internet providers, at least in the U.S., there's some some spots in the U.S. and some other places in the world where it's not really as big of a deal. And there's some places way worse than the U.S. But um, the, the bandwidth that you get, there's caps from a lot of them. There's speed performance. Like they, your provider is going to notice that you're sending backups. They, they know who the backup providers are. And you'll get a certain speed at, at first. And you're going to think, oh, good. My backup is going to be done in like three weeks. That's awesome. And then the provider was like, no, 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 no. You get that for a couple of days. And now we're going to slow you down and slow you down and slow you down on the backup. You're, the rest of your traffic is going to be fine. They're just going to slow down your traffic that you're sending to the backup provider. And Backblaze cannot really do anything about that. That's just the way the internet works today. Just I did too bad. find one little trick with Backblaze. Their out-of-the-box settings use a single thread for uploading. Sure, if, sure. If you go to the performance tab and you switch it over to six, you'll literally get like six times the speed. So uh, that's a, a quick little trip anyone who's using uh, Backblaze. Yep, it, it's a really good solution. All right, this isn't a, a podcast about Backblaze though, so let's <laughs> let's keep going on with the raid. All right, so now let's go to the scenario where uh, the photographer went through that. They they did what we just suggested. They got two drives. Uh, let's say they're even like two eight terabyte drives. Big big drive. That should last a really long time. Lots of images can go on there. That's that's fabulous, um, and and that's fine. Even though the SanDisk one that we just talked about only goes to two terabytes. If you need more storage, going up to one of those eight terabyte drives and connecting them USB 3.0, that's going to work. It's not ideal. Uh, you don't want to do video editing from it, and it may slow down your editing um, a little over a USB 3.0 connection. But but they're still going to be fine. They're going to work great. And maybe you could do something where you have like one of those faster drives, like the SanDisk, for your editing, and then you have a second, another drive for your longer term storage. Let's say terabytes. Anyway, there's there's lots of things that you can do there, and you can play that game for a while. But once you get to two, three, maybe four drives, you start facing some like organization problems, <laughs> and drives don't last forever. So even if you think, well, I'll, I'll like I'll buy a new drive every year. Let's do that. I'll just get a new drive. It's 2019, just barely started. I'm gonna go buy a new drive. And I'm gonna keep everything else on that old drive, and I'm just gonna you know put it in the corner, and we're good. Nah, well, the problem is even sitting over in there in the corner, when you if you try to go use it uh, several years from now, it may not work. You may have a very big problem there. So. Um, Having them be active is kind of important to them, too. They can't just sit forever. The, the platters can warp, and there's problems that can happen if they just sit. So you, there's these just are not perfect solutions on anything. There's lots of challenges here. You don't want to – I don't recommend that approach. I don't think you should get a new drive every year and try to manage them that way. I also don't think you should try to split up your catalog or your library um, amongst different drives, like one that's landscape, one that's portrait. You can do it, but – Man, there's value in having everything be together, and that's the point of RAID to me. That's that's at the point with if you are to that point where you have like four hard drives and your photos are spread across all those drives, that's the point at which I think you need to consider going to a RAID system so you can see all your stuff at once. Now you can use your your folder organization to organize things, but you can get to everything. Everything's active. Everything's available. You don't have to worry about the stuff going away. Hopefully, you can get some online backup. We'll talk about more of that in a second. Uh, what do you think, Greg? Is that does that sound a reasonable point at which people a photographer should consider RAID? 
Um, actually, I, I totally agree that having multiple external drives is just, it's just kind of a recipe for pain. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, for me, there's actually a, another really good reason, and that is speed. If, if you get oh, an external sure. solid-state drive, then you're set, because those are quick, right? So if you get a drive, like I mentioned, that SanDisk Extreme Portable, it's amazing. But if you're going to get, you know, just you need more storage than you can afford in a solid-state drive, going to a RAID is going to give you that speed. I, I did a quick test this morning. I was just kind of curious to see what I'm seeing these days. And I have a, a regular single, like, old-school spinning hard drive externally, and I tested it. And it gets about six megabytes per second read and write speed. Okay. And you'd think, okay, well, my RAID has six drives and it's set up where, you know, a couple of them are redundant. So maybe I'm getting like four times or six times the speed because I've got, you know, six times as many drives. So I'm not necessarily using all of them for data. It's not even close. I get 600 megabytes per second. So <laughs> it's literally it's 100 times faster. <laughs> um, so, which it's just crazy, right? But that's the difference between um, saving a you know a file in Photoshop that's let's say like a one gig file. It might save in like three or five seconds for me on my RAID drive. But if I save it to that external spinning drive, it could be two and a half minutes uh-huh, more, right? So you know, to me, or or more important would be like maybe in Lightroom if you're scrolling from photo to photo. Man, the drive speed has a huge amount to play with that. And if it's if you're seeing that loading screen in Lightroom as you're going from shot to shot, that's because your drive speed's too slow. And it, and that's you're just not going to be able to to get around it if you're using one of these slower external drives. Um, like I said, USB 3.0 is it's it's okay, it's bearable. Anything 2.0 or below, it's not usable. And network, I don't recommend that. Like network attached storage, that would need to be something that you do for like long-term storage. Don't, you're not going to edit from it. You don't want to edit from a, from a NAS. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say for photographers, unless you just are really super constrained on your budget, you need to get solid state or raid to have sufficient speed because any, anything else, uh, editing over the network is probably not going to work unless you're like in one of these cities with fiber to the home. Oh yeah. You know, and and these spinning drives, it's just, it's crazy painful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so those are some reasons why photographers should consider this. Like, like Greg said, this is going to be an investment. This is going to take some money. So, I mean, if you thought your camera was expensive, (laughs) uh, this is going to be right up there with your camera, your lens, your good lenses, uh, computer, a whole computer. It's going to be more than that. Probably around three grand, something like that. If you're going to get a, a good, system that has uh and get all the discs in it um something like that so be prepared for quite the price tag that is the reason i haven't done it yet <laughs> so so I'm, I'm talking about this having never done raid uh i've used raid a ton in my it life so i i understand it and i know i know how it works i've built raid systems i've recovered raid systems i've done all of the work with it i just don't have one personally and it's the cost. That's why I haven't done it. So I'm living off of internal drives. That's why I use a custom-built PC. It's one of the factors why I haven't. I, I don't use a Mac actually uh, for my photo editing on my primary desktop. And it's because I can add internal drives. I have several of them. They're they're copying amongst each other. They're copying out to Backblaze in the cloud. And I got a really good solution going and it's inexpensive, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of know-how and it's not for everybody <laughs> uh, to, make, to make that work. Um, but I want a RAID system really, really badly. Um, 
And for the reasons that we talked about, the speed would be awesome. And uh, more than that, I, I really I'm to the point I'm almost to the point now where I have a eight terabyte drive that is eighty percent full, and uh, and I'm going to be facing this problem very very soon <laughs> where I'm going to have to I'm going to have to lay down the money and and go get one of these things. So um, we'll see what what happens. How soon I I make that happen? If if I didn't just recently kill my MacBook Pro. That would have been a lot closer to happening soon. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, there there are for anyone who's shopping around. You know, one thing I would encourage people is um, be creative with with RAID because you don't have to have the latest and greatest sure. uh, enclosure. You don't have to have the latest and greatest drives. I mean, these days, top of the line internal hard drives are like 10, 12, 14 terabytes. So you can buy a, a drive that's like three or four terabytes for not that much money. And if you buy an older generation enclosure, it's still going to be lightning fast. I have a a, a generation one Pegasus um, drive. It's a Thunderbolt drive. And it's got to be, I don't know, six, maybe even seven years old now. And it's still getting read and write speeds in the 400 megabyte range. So it's actually pretty close to that like bleeding edge Thunderbolt 3 drive I have from Lassie that I was mentioning earlier. So, uh, you know, if you get a little creative, you find someone on Craigslist or you just buy an older enclosure and you you know are buying drives that are a little bit smaller if you don't really need the space you you probably can get away with something that's not going to be anywhere near that three thousand dollar price sure that's a good idea here the other suggestion and and here's what my actual plan is um the other thing you could do and and i don't know if how much it'll end up saving you uh yeah i just to take the speed factor out of it my plan is I'm going to continue to use a, a local SSD drive, or you, it would be great this the SanDisk option that we've talked about, the really fast two terabyte SanDisk drive uh, for for people who can't add internal storage. Then then you could edit off of that, and then I plan to add a NAS, uh, the network attached kind, which is slow, slow, slow. But that's okay because my intention is to only put it there for long term storage. Plus, I have another use case where I have family who wants to see the photos that we've got. And today, my family keeps telling me how they're trapped on my computer. Like, I can't ever see any of the photos we have because they're all on your computer. And, you know, we've tried to set up some sharing and it just hasn't worked very well. So a NAS, I can set it up so that my entire house can easily go and see all the photos that are stored on that. And uh, that's a beautiful feature of the network attached kind. That's not so easy to do with the direct attached storage, but you you can I can make it available to my whole house. And so that's really what my plan is. I'm going to continue using an SSD drive to edit on, and then when I'm done editing, I will move the in order to make room for more editing. I'll move the photos from there to the NAS and and uh, and be done with it. So that's another way. I think the NASs are maybe a little less money, but probably not dramatically less. And they become a little hard to compare because from what I've seen, a lot of them are sold as an enclosure with no drive. So, you know, be careful right. when you're price shopping that, you know, one price tag might oh, be a lot oh. lower just because it doesn't come with drives. That's right. You, you may see it like the NAS is $400 or something like that. And you think, wow, that's like way less. But yeah, that's with no discs. They almost always come with no discs. So, yeah, then you have to go price out. Well, what does it cost to populate that with five or eight discs? And, uh, <laughs> that's a lot of money. So, okay. 
Yeah, so I, I don't know if it'll end up saving me a lot, but I have that use case that I need to solve where I want to open up my photos to my family so they can actually see them. All right, let's let's go to the next question that I think photographers, they, they maybe they're, they, let's say they, they are now to the point where like, okay, yeah, I know I got to spend the money. I got to go solve this problem. I need to make it so that I can have a lot more storage. I'd like the speed. I need the, I need the redundancy in there too so that if a hard drive fails, I'm not... Uh, completely without my, I, I won't lose everything. Um, let's go over the raid levels now. You mentioned raid level five earlier, but le- describe what raid levels are and and how that comes into play. Like it, as you recently set one up, what was it like when you had to go pick what raid level you were using? It's totally confusing because there's all these different <laughs> articles out there, and everyone has different advice and. I haven't seen a lot of articles where people actually make true like apples to apples comparison and you can learn anything from it. So it's, it it is actually really frustrating. Um, So there's, you'll hear terms like mirroring and striping. um, And and that would, that would, you know, also known as raid, you know, zero and one and mirroring means one's just a backup of another. So you're, you're not getting any speed advantage. You're just getting redundancy. And then there's striping where you just split the data over multiple drives. You're getting all the speed, but you're actually losing um, redundancy because now if either drive fails, you know, in a two drive stripe, everything's gone, right? You're twice as likely to lose your data. Um, So right off the bat, we should say rate level zero and one, never, never, ever use zero and one for photographers, right, Greg? (laughs) I I would agree. I would say for (laughs) photographers, actually, to me, um, you know, if you really want to get in the nitty gritty, people might like, you know, argue certain cases, they'd go in another direction. But I think for most photographers, RAID 5 or 6 is a pretty simple choice. So if you pick up RAID 5, then you're getting uh, speed and redundancy, and you're secured against one drive failing. Um, If you get RAID 6, you're now secured against two drives failing. So it won't be quite as fast as RAID 5, but pretty close. Um, And you've got two drives that can fail, which... It sounds a little silly, like, man, that seems like kind of really belt suspenders. But, you know, after one drive fails, by the time you buy a new drive, install it, let it rebuild, a lot of time passes. It's actually, with the size of hard drives these days, it's actually not a trivial risk. So if you really want to make sure your your RAID never fails, RAID 6 is a pretty good choice. But that said, I mean, as we kind of talked about earlier, you should always have a backup. Like, just because RAID (laughs) is, like, less prone to dying on you, you know, you can still have a fire uh, you could still have, you know, the enclosure fail. Uh, my Pegasus drive, one of the bays just stopped working. The hard drives are fine, but the actual like enclosure has a partial failure. Um, I've heard stories from Drobo owners claiming oh, yeah. Drobos have gone down. So there's, you know, there's none of these things are, are bulletproof. So if you're not backing up, then you're, you're definitely um, setting yourself up for, for heartbreak. Yeah, let, um, let's get to the backup yeah. in a second. But let's let's I just want to drill down, really make sure people understand. OK, raid five single disk failure i believe it's a three disk minimum you have to have at least three drives to make that work correct so most people would do raid five with a uh either a four or six disk enclosure those are pretty common sizes um raid five and a four disk enclosure is going to be a nice option if you're looking for you know most of the benefits we're talking about here and you're trying to mind your budget right um and 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 if now again, if so, if OneDrive fails, the way this works, and and this is the part I think people don't get, 
if a drive fails, the way it works is you sure hope that enclosure lets you know it failed some way. And most of them these days, they do a really good job of that. They have a light on the on the enclosure that'll like go red and tell you like uh, that's bad. Maybe even set it up so that it'll send you an email saying, hey, a disk has failed. You got to fix this. And you absolutely cannot ignore that or you're going to be in major trouble with RAID 5 because it can only handle one drive failing. If a second drive fails before you get it fixed, which means you replace the drive and have the time for it to rebuild, which takes a while if you have a lot of storage. Like if you use, let's say, four eight terabyte drives that's a lot of storage that it's got to replicate between itself and rebuild. So it goes into like this maintenance mode and has to rebuild after you've replaced the drive. And that's going to put a lot more load on the other drives too. So if a second drive fails before that's all done, you lose everything. The entire raid is gone. And even though the other drives didn't fail, you lose it all. So that's, there's the danger. That's, that can be really bad. And that's a problem. And, and, to make it kind of even more tr tough, usually you buy these discs all at the same time, right? And the time to failure, there's a reason they measure the mean time to failure. It's because the failure rates are fairly predictable among drives. They tend to fail at the same time as they're in use. And if you bought four drives at once, they're all four the same age. They're all four have been in this raid and have been used to about the same levels the likelihood that more than one of those drives is going to fail while you have a problem really increases. So that's why we're talking about this. That's why it's important. That's why you might also want to consider being proactive and like don't let those things be in there more than three years. <laughs> Replace those drives before it's time and, and you have an issue. What do you want to say, Greg? I was going to say, I would also recommend uh, getting what people call a cold spare. So when you um, have a, a drive fail, you're going to want to replace it as soon as possible. Right, right. But generally speaking with a RAID, um, it's best to use the same drives. You don't have to for every type of RAID. Some types of RAID you have to. Right. I would just in general say, if, you're, if, you've, if you need to put four drives in your RAID enclosure, buy a fifth one. Just put it in a closet somewhere unused. And then if one fails, you can replace it right away. Right. And, you know, you know, everything's matched up. You're ready to go. That's I, I actually have two cold spares just in case <laughs> you learned from experience there. I uh, I've had three drives fail. So my, my Pegasus, that one bay uh, died and I thought the drive failed. So I replaced it. And then the replacement a few months later failed and I replaced that. And then that one failed. And like every time it kept failing a little faster until I realized that it was the enclosure, not the drive. But that uh, right. cemented in my head that. Just get the spares. Okay, in RAID 6, just to make sure everyone understands, like Greg said, that, that allows for two disks to fail and not lose everything. You give up storage as the is the compromise you make there. It's going to take up more of the total storage for this redundancy and less make less available to you for, for storing your photos. But it means that now you can have two drives fail without losing anything. And, um, again, you got to, you, it's this race. As soon as drives fail, you've got to get those replaced as soon as you can so that you don't, won't lose the whole raid and everything that's on those drives. There are recovery services. Like if you go, if you have this problem, you lose your raid. There are recovery services that, that can recover raid systems. Um, even Drobo, the beyond raid proprietary algorithm, which we'll talk about in just a second, they can do it, but boy, you better be ready to pay some money. <laughs> those, those, uh, that storage better be very valuable to you because that's going to cost 
a lot more than the RAID system to get it recovered. Um, and it's probably not going to be a very feasible option for you as a photographer. That's why you got to make sure if you go to this kind of a system, maintaining those drives is critical. Very key factor. You can't just say, okay, it's RAID. It's all backed up. I'm good now. That is a big mistake to make. You don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I think the short answer I, I, I tell most people is, if you're trying to watch your budget, get a four bay system, set it to RAID five, and if you're willing to spend a little bit more, get a six, you know, drive enclosure and set it to RAID six. There you go. All right, so that that's a good, good way to think about it there for photographers. Okay, let's let's move. Oh, actually, I wanted to ask you first. Um, as you went and set up the system, did the system tell you? I haven't I haven't set one up for a, a while now. What was the user experience like as you were setting it up? Did they actually say what raid level do you want, or how did they describe it? Um, I, so I've I've used both Pegasus and uh, Lassie, and uh, their interface is a little bit different. The the Pegasus, which comes from a company called Promis, uh, their interface right. is it's not bad. It's a little old school, a um, little more confusing. But you're you're basically choosing your raid level. With Lassie, they're giving you more of kind of a modern you know, it's the closest thing to like the way Apple would do RAID in terms of a, a simpler interface. I, I I haven't seen Drobo, but it's it's pretty simple. Um, and and you're answering those questions, but I I would say they're also kind of dumbing it down to the point where they kind of steer you down a path. Like I think let's see, I think it's just trying to push you towards RAID five, if I remember correctly. You kind of have to like uh-huh. open up the options. So um, you should. So they don't want- present it as RAID five, RAID six. They present it as more like, do you want to have one? How much back or how much redundancy versus storage? Is it kind of a UI that way? I think so. I, I, I honestly, I don't remember. It's been so long since I set that up. But it, they do <laughs> kind of dumb a few things down, and uh, then there's additional options, right? Because there's the RAID level, but then there's some little sub options. Like you can pick like the striping size is like an option within it, and, and I, I think these guys like almost give you too many options. It gets really confusing. Uh, uh-huh. I, I, I tested a bunch of different configurations and the raid level definitely makes a difference. But like some of these sub options for like striping size, um, unless you have very specific workflows, I, I just I haven't seen any reason to pick one over the other. Um, okay. So it, it, it's a little, it gets a little overwhelming. I have an article on my website about raid where I kind of listed all my recommendations and, and they're basically the same for the Pegasus and the, the, um, the Lissy system. Right. Okay. And, and I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes to that. He has a, a particular in that article, if you're having trouble getting it set up on a Mac, there are some things that, that Greg found out <laughs> specific to Mac that, that you will be, that'll save you a lot of time and headache if you go visit, go, go check out his blog post on that. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes so that you can go check that out. Uh, a lot of helpful information for that. Uh, briefly, Drobo, they don't use the standard rate stuff. Um, it's a, it can be nice in that Drobo, um, the idea they, they have, it's called beyond raid for them. Their, their thought about it is, and their marketing is this is like simpler, easier, and better than raid systems. So the, the raid five, six stuff we just talked about, they feel like their system is, is better than that. Um, but it's proprietary. Like they, they have created their own system. It is not supported as a standard or any other kind of device. Um, it, it's, it's its own thing. The advantages are, number one, you can use any number of disks, and it's just going to kind of auto-figure out what to do with them. So, so that's kind of nice because on these other systems that we've talked about, if you change your mind and you want to change RAID levels, 
you're kind of starting over <laughs> on on changing it. You don't you don't get a second chance on most of them now. Now some of the options might be there now to to help in that transition, but Drobo that is a valid thing. You can kind of change your mind, and it's going to do some reconfiguration. It's going to take some time. Um, but you can you you have some options, some flexibility, and if you need more storage or you want more redundancy, you pop another drive in. It's going to do some reconfiguration and leverage it all, which is nice. That's a, a good pro for that kind of beyond raid stuff that Drobo does. The con is, if it fails, you have much less you can do about it. <laughs> there are a lot of recovery features. There's a lot of documentation out there about how to help with raid systems that have had problems. Um, but in general, I think if you have a Drobo system, you can expect if the, if you lose your raid system, the Drobo, and you need, you really need to get to those photos, it's going to cost you even more when it's a beyond raid kind of setup with recovery options than it is the raid system. Um, so that's kind of a con to that kind of setup. The other problem I've heard from tons of photographers, and I'm sure I'm going to get killed for saying this in our Facebook group and wherever of, of people who lo- have and love their Drobos, which is fine. If it's working good for you, excellent. And I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a Drobo, but I have heard from too many photographers who say the device itself, the enclosure that we talked about, just failed on them. And not just once, but multiple times. And every time it did, they lost the whole RAID system. It didn't work to just take the drives out, put them in a new one. And, uh, and so they lost everything um, suddenly. Like there was no warning. There's no like red light that went on on one drive and I, I have time to, f- to fix it. It was just one day it worked, the next day it didn't and was gone. And uh, that's, that's troubling. So personally, I'm not going to recommend Drobo <laughs> just because I've, I've heard of too many challenges. Um, but if it's working for you, then good. I'm glad it is. And I'm, I'm glad it's, it's hap- uh, something that's good. All right. Um, so maybe before we move to the backup discussion, Greg, what about you've had experience now with Promise and um, and Lacey? I don't know how you say that. Lacey? How do you say it? I say Lacey, I think, but I I have no idea. Who knows? I mean, it's French. Could be Lacey. I don't know. I don't know how you say it. So you've got experience with a couple of different brands. Is there one you'd recommend over another? Well, at the end of the day, um, the speed is very easy to compare. Um, and, and in that regard, I have a definite preference towards uh, the Pegasus over the Lacie. Um okay. The Lacie 6 Big Thunderbolt 3, that's the one I have. It has a fundamental design flaw. It does not work with Apple's encryption. So if you use encrypted drives, which a lot of people who are worried about the security of their data do, uh, it slows down uh, by a factor of 6x. Um, so oh, wow. Uh, I contacted their support team. They came back. They acknowledge it's it's an issue in the hardware, and they don't have a fix for it. So um, that was uh, pretty disappointing to me. And um, if I was going to buy a drive right now, I I would I'd handily go back to Pegasus. Even though, like I mentioned before, that Pegasus that one drive bay did fail, but that failed right. over two years ago, and it's just going on like a tank. So even though it has a failure, I can still lose another bay in it and it's working just fine so i i use it now as a backup just acknowledging that there is some issue with it but it's still totally fine i've never lost anything in my raids in terms of losing data um so i that would be my preference in terms of overall quality you know unless you have a lot of data it's really hard right there's always going to be some anecdotal story of i knew a guy who's you know 
I know people <laughs> right? with Drobos. I had damage with my Pegasus. Uh, who knows on Pegasus? I, I, I don't know. Who knows on Synology? I hear a lot of people saying great things. So from a quality perspective, I, I just don't know. And, the, and probably the bigger difference is going to be what RAID settings you use and what's the quality of the drives you put into the enclosure. That's you know, much more likely where you're going to run into problems. And you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I just say you know, make sure you have a really good backup. And I wouldn't sweat that part of, of it too much. I'd probably go sure. for the features and speed over quality unless you unless you have information i don't have no 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 i i don't i don't have uh the other brand that i i know i've heard so much positive and very little negative about is gtech so that's another one that you you might want to look into uh, especially if you're going to go just compare prices um i personally won't consider a drobo but that doesn't mean you you can't and and uh, like i said they they are simplified so if if this discussion about raid 5 raid 6 and drive failures and it, if that's all like overwhelming to you that might be your best option would be a drobo cuz they are made to be super simple and overall supposed to be reliable and and maybe maybe quality has improved i i I know i've seen some mainstream photographers who swore off of of drobo because they had issues and then um they got newer versions of the devices and and have been happier so maybe maybe stuff's turned and and it could be a better option uh i have in my possession a drobo that um a photographer friend of mine could not get to work so he's like, ah, I just, he spent days and days on the phone with support and the speed was the problem. It wasn't that it failed. It was brand new with a brand new MacBook or iMac Pro and could not get the speed up. Um, like it was slower than a USB 3.0 connected drive. So, Ouch. so he, he finally gave up like they Drobo sent him. I think they changed the unit out twice. And uh, Nate finally said, we're not going to do that anymore. I don't know what's wrong. Something's wrong with your computer. And he's like, no, that's not the problem. So he just gave it to me <laughs> and said, I don't know. See if you can make it work. I haven't touched it yet, but I guess I do have a, a RAID device. I didn't even think of that. I, <laughs> I do have one I should try out, I guess. Um, you mentioned the disks. Let's, I didn't even have that in the show notes, but that is a really good topic to have here. Um, because there are not, not all disks are equal. Not all disks are even designed to be equal. So what kind of disks do you th- do you recommend? What should photographers look for if they're going to go buy disks to go in a RAID system? So um, I would stick with brands that generally have a good reputation. If you search the internet, you'll see some, some good reviews of that. Um, you know, watch out for the one-off stories. When someone says, like, I have a friend or mine crashed, like, you know, any, any one company is, is going to have some failure. Yeah. So that's not very helpful. Yeah. Um, there was a really good article from um, the company that uh, used to make an online backup uh, service called Crash Plan, where they reviewed a bunch of different drives. And I think if you find articles like that, where these like big storage companies, you know, publish like, "Hey, we have you know hundreds of these drives, and here's how they did," that's really nice. And the the other thing about it is, even if that data is old, those are probably going to be like three, four terabyte drives that I was talking about in terms of getting something that's cheap. So you may be able to find a really reliable design that's been tested for years and it's super affordable. So that's probably where I'd go look versus, you know, if you get the latest and greatest drive from anyone, it doesn't really have a track record. So you're just betting on the company at that point. Uh, speaking of statistics, Backblaze actually produces quarterly a the statistics about their drive failures. So they... The way they buy drive is purely based on economics. 
they buy whatever's the cheapest at the time they need them. <laughs> and so they're putting these drives into service in massive arrays, uh, rate arrays constantly in order to have enough storage for all of their subscribers that use their online backup service. And so they, I don't know of anyone else. I, I guess crash plan used to publish something similar, but they're, they've switched their business models. I'm not sure they're even updating that anymore, but uh, Backblaze produces every quarter and they have statistics and specific drive manufacturers and models, what sizes they were, um, how many they used, how many days they've been in service and what kind of failure rate they're seeing on them. And for the most part, these drives are, are failing uh, very rarely. We, they have like less than 2% failure rates, which is really impressive for the quantities of drives they're using. On the other hand, there's some that just seem to have – and it's not consistent among the manufacturer. It's more amongst a model. Something happened with a specific model. Occasionally, you have this uh, where they just have a higher failure rate, and it's – really helpful to look through those stats just so you can avoid the drives that are showing up as having much higher failure rates. And that would be my recommendation is kind of looking through those, get some that are major name brands uh, like HGST, Seagate, uh, Western Digital, Toshiba. Those are kind of the, the big name brands to, to look for that, um, that are pretty good. Uh, HGST was bought by Western Digital, so those are kind of one in the same now. But uh, anyway, th that's a, a resource that you can have. And I'll put a, a link in the show notes to the 2018 hard drive failure rates article that Backblaze published. And um, again, just another thing I love about Backblaze. There, I wish, wish like Google or Microsoft or someone like that with these massive data centers would publish something similar. But tracking the data is probably not so easy either. <laughs> so I guess there's there's a reason for that. What about Greg? The the um, red versus you know like Western Digital. They have green, blue, black, red class drives. What do you think about paying attention to that? Oh man. Um... I, you know, again, I kind of keep coming back to this idea of just make sure you have a really solid backup because, you know, if you're buying a RAID, you're, you're going to be able to eat, you know, one, if not two drives failing. Um, so I, I'm personally more towards, you know, I've just used the drives that came with um, my Pegasus and with my Lassie. And then over time, okay. I, I upgraded the Pegasus and I, I went out and got some stuff that was middle of the road. It wasn't like the cheapest thing, but it definitely wasn't like enterprise class. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of times, you know, what happens with companies when they're marketing these products is they take the same drive and they just put different colors on it and they tell you one's better than the other, right? So there's a good chance if you're buying the middle of the road one, you probably are actually buying the same thing as the top end drive is, is I guess, my philosophy. I'm not working on any inside knowledge there, but I just know a lot of companies operate that way. And no matter what, there's going to be some failure. So I, I'm much more concerned with being prepared for the failure than worrying about the small percentage differences between the different drives I might buy. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, the, I, I know that the, the, there are differences with regard to the, the ones that are designed for raid versus not. And there, there are some, some of the manufacturers do actively market brands that where this drive is designed for raid and the others are not. And there is a difference in kind of how they function as far as power goes, how they power off and on when they spin up and spin down, trying to make it so that there's less of a chance that you're going to have a problem with the RAID system, you know, considering the usage that's going to be RAID. Um, and so I know, I know I've heard storage engineers tell me this all the time in IT that that really, really matters. They have told me that that is super important. They won't buy anything but 
RAID rated drives from manufacturers. And I'm sure they know their stuff. I'm going to trust them that that's probably true for them. What I also have seen was Backblaze did a test. Again, I'm, I mean, I'm going to sound like a Backblaze fanboy here, but <laughs> they shared data. So, I, you know, what else can I do? But I haven't seen anyone else share this data. They buy the drives regardless of RAID setting, like uh, evaluation, how, how the drive is marketed. They buy the drives based on storage needs and how many are available and at what price. So it's purely economics. They're not going after the other ones. They did do a test before they decided to do that, though, uh, to see will it matter on reliability because it does cost them money to replace drives, so they want to keep they want to have drives that don't fail as much as possible, and so um, that's kind of why they keep these stats. They they want to avoid ones where they've seen higher than normal failure rates, so that they just don't buy those anymore because it costs them money to replace them. And then um, so they, but they did a test. They they brought some that were specifically designed, or the manufacturer was telling them were specifically designed for RAID versus ones that were not. And to their in their testing, they didn't see a difference. They didn't see uh, a dramatic difference in performance or a dramatic difference in failure rates uh, or or causing problems to their system. Now, and they don't have a normal RAID system, obviously. This is all custom built for their being an online storage provider. So all I can take from it as a consumer, now this is not, I'm not saying this for any kind of IT shop, <laughs> but as a photographer that's going to be running a little RAID system compared to what kind of massive storage needs people might have in big companies and industry, I don't know that a, a RAID classed system uh, or drive is going to be that much different, especially if you don't move them around, you don't, you're not... You're not putting them in uh, massive racks of data centers with lots of heat problems and all that sort of thing. So I take it for what it's worth. Uh, I know I have heard from lots of storage people that this is super critical. So if it's if you got the money, you might want to just you know cover your basis and buy RAID specific drives. For me, as I'm going to go do it, because I've seen some information that says, yeah, it doesn't really seem to make a difference, I'm going to go with what's more economical when I go to do it. But you're going to have to decide kind of how you want to deal with that. All right. Now, let's just end with backup here, Greg. Um, when I said we're going to solve the first storage problem with two external drives and then make sure you sync between them using some kind of software to sync them, um, and that's for backup. You, 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 the 321 backup solution, I've talked about it before at Photo Taco. I'll link to the episode in the show notes where that is. You want to have three copies of your file on two different local storage devices or two different, I, I think they, they term it two different types of storage, but at least two different drives and one that is off-site, one that is not on your local computer or in your local house. It's off-site. And so that's an easy way to, to fix it with the single external drive. You have you buy two drives. That's going to make it so you have it in two places there. And then the third place, if you get Backblaze as an online provider or whatever provider, find an online provider and back those up. Now now you kind of have a really good three two one backup solution, and uh, and your risk of losing stuff goes way way down. You're you're going to be able to recover pretty well from any kind of failure. Now. That's provided you can get all the online backup to keep up with you, too. Now, if you go to a RAID system, you could do the same thing. You could buy two RAIDs <laughs> and, and then back them up between each other 
and try to get the online backup to go, um, which is going to be a bit of a challenge for a lot of people with bandwidth, bandwidth restrictions and so on. Um, that's a way to solve the problem. It's super expensive because you're going to buy two of these RAID systems now. Greg, what do you do for, for backup? How, how are you backing up? You mentioned, I think, uh, a single external drive that you're using. Or how, how have you got it configured? So I, I've got a lengthy article on my website where I go through the different risks that I think about and, and how I ensure against them. Because there's so many ways you can lose data, right? The, the hard drive failing is one. You know, your house burning down is another, right? That would take your backup down with you if the backup was also at home. Um, you know, there's the risk that you accidentally make a change to one of your files. Like I, you know, I, in the past, I've done this where I flatten a file to print it and then I accidentally save it. And I end up destroying the original layered file, things like that. So there's a lot of different risks to, to think about. And they're not just about, you know, a hard drive failing. Um, so having kind of thought through that, the... The solution I've landed on is um, I have um, a combination of, of multiple backups. So I've got a time machine that's always backing up. And I consider that to be really convenient, but not very reliable. Um, I have clones, which are where you duplicate your drive to another drive. So both my laptop hard drive and my RAID, which is my external data, both of those get backed up to other hard drives as perfect duplicates. And these clones either sit in a fire safe at home or I take them off site. I mean, it's a, a mix of things. I have multiple drives in different locations. Um, you know, the on-site ones are in a fire safe that have newer data because I'm not necessarily like taking one of these drives to some remote location every day or something like that. Um, so you end up with these different levels of backup for different reasons. And then layered over the top of that, I just started using Backblaze, as I mentioned, and... Um, I have over, I think it's it's about 10 terabytes of data now. I don't remember exactly where I am after I cleaned up. It was like 11. Um, you're not going to back all that up online. You could, but it um, it obviously takes a long time. And, and I, I'm more worried about making sure that the stuff that's not already on a clone offsite gets backed up. So sure, my, sure. my use of Backblaze is limited to files on the internal hard drive that are, you know, like photos or other things that are more likely to change. So, you know, Backblaze is kind of like the, uh, the offsite version of Time Machine for me. It's just going to cover things that are not already on the clone that is, you know, sitting at my friend's house, you know, down the street or something like that. Um, so we're layering those things together. But I, I do have a lot of clones uh, to deal with the fact that, you know, if you ever accidentally damage a file or delete it or it gets corrupted or something, you might be backing up a bad file for months or years before you catch it. So... Uh, one of the things I do is is to make sure that some of these clones they just they become like you know time capsules like in, in like the old school <laughs> sense right like I I have some backups that are probably like five years old and I'm not gonna erase them I'm just gonna let them be um, I also have this other thing I do where I back up my master files so I actually take my favorite portfolio images and every once in a while I export them to another folder on my hard drive. So they're backed up on my drive. And of course, that all gets backed up on the other ones I'm mentioning. But that's protection against me accidentally screwing up a file or maybe just gets corrupted, right? Every once in a while, right, right. like a single byte gets changed in a file and suddenly you open the file and like half the image is green or something weird like <laughs> yeah. that. Yes, I've just, seen that. It's Oh, it's happened to me four or five times and you're toast. Yeah. Um, so just because you're backed up doesn't mean you're safe. Um, and, and that's... I think these days maybe um, 
one of the more dangerous areas is you just have bad data and you don't know it. There right. aren't a lot of good solutions out there. There's this uh, guy named Lloyd Chambers runs a website called Digital Lloyd. He makes a, a tool called Integrity Checker. And I've not used it, but I've heard really good things about it. And it actually will go through and basically make a record of all your files. It makes these checksums. That's a mathematical way of proving whether or not the files changed. And so you can just occasionally run this thing and it'll come back and say, hey, you know, you have two or three files that changed. And, you know, if you know that you didn't resave that file or modify it, then that's a red flag that you maybe want to go find the backup before it's too late. Um, or if you're using the, uh, the DNG format from Adobe, uh, it has some ways to actually validate the files too. So you can run that in okay. Lightroom. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to look at it, but that three, two, one system you mentioned, I think that if you're following that, um, you've got most of your bases covered, but I, I would be thinking about, you know, things like accidentally, you know, changing your files or file corruption. Cause I think those are some other risks there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And you know, there's, there's the possibility that you could do something like, like you said, you may have on your RAID system your entire collection of photos, everything that you've got. And then you may say, well, I'm, I'm going to, I've backed it up to the cloud maybe for a long time now. Like that's my situation. I'm, I have everything backed up to Backblaze. So I'm current. It uh, gets behind, of course, every shoot I do, but then it catches up in about a week or two. And, um, and going forward, it won't be a problem uh, to kind of move those off and put them on a NAS and uh, and then only add what I add uh, in the future to a kind of a, a, a middle system somehow. I'm, so I'm, I think I'm going to get a big external drive and I'm going to put the files out there in addition to the NAS and then I'll have Backblaze back up that external drive. And I'll just kind of use that, rotate things through so that um, so that I could get the two backups that way. I have it on the NAS and I have it on this external drive and then Backblaze getting the, the third copy. Um, it won't cover, like you said, the, the problem if you corrupt a file, that, that won't be covered there. So I'll have to think about that, what I want to do there because uh, I have had that happen. I've had it happen a number of times where I go to open up an older file and, yeah, it's not looking right. <laughs> Something <laughs> is wrong. Something changed. And, uh, and it's not doing well. So I, uh, that is absolutely an issue. But for now, I think I'm going to focus on just making sure I don't lose it with hard drive failures. It's kind of my biggest worry at the and moment. There, there's, um, there's one other thing to think about, and that is how much downtime can you afford? If your drive fails, what are you going to do? Now, if you're a hobbyist photographer, no big deal. Um, but if you rely on your data, maybe it's your work, maybe it's your photos, whatever it is, um, my laptop last month, it failed. Um, I've got one of the new MacBook pros and it died in a way that, uh, I didn't have access to that machine for a couple of weeks and, and it took the data down. Well, I had a problem because it went down as I was working on a critical print job for a client, uh, literally at the same time, my parents were driving to town for Thanksgiving. So I had a couple of hours to figure this out and I was heading to death Valley for two weeks as soon as my parents left. So I would have been in a world of hurt. If I tried to back up from Time Machine, um, it would take two days to, to, to get that. Maybe I could go pull a couple of specific files I need. That would take several hours. Uh, if I tried to run off of uh, a spinning clone, that would be a problem. But I was very lucky, and that is because I have that solid-state external drive I mentioned. I happen to use that as a clone. So I have a very expensive clone, but for me, 
it's worth it because, um, you know, for $300 and change, I have a duplicate of my laptop. So when my laptop died, I literally went to the Apple store. I bought a new laptop, brought it home, plugged the drive into it. And I was up and running in less than 15 minutes with everything I had. And I finished the job. Um, so having a, a clone or some kind of bootable backup is really important. So I would say definitely, you know, if you think time machine or online backups covering it, you know, think about the, the possibility you might need to work right now, (laughs) right? Make that clone. And then at least once just try and boot from the clone just to make sure you did it the right way. And it actually runs. Yeah. So. Okay. That's a very, very good suggestion. And if I remember right, you have some information on that out on your blog too, right? Yeah. I've got uh, a couple of long details on how to back yeah. up and then how to recover, you know, how to get back up and running when you fail. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we have gone really long, Greg. You're so nice to, to, to uh, stay with me and, and uh, go over this topic. I know photographers get confused about this. I hope we've helped. I, I Maybe we've only made them ask more questions, but that's, that might be okay too, because you really need to, no matter what level of photographer you are, if you're a hobbyist, pro, beginner, advanced, this is, this is a problem we all face and you need to figure out what you're going to do about it. You need to figure out if you have to budget for something. It's a, it's something you really need to think about. And I'd love to hear your questions. Um, as I post this, uh, over at phototacopodcast.com, you can go comment on the blog post when, when I put out the show, love to see that there. Or you can ask questions in the Facebook group. Um, finding Greg, you can find him at gregbensphotography.com posting very regularly. In fact, he just had one on the 8th of January, 2019 called deconvolution sharpening, or it talks about that anyway. And if you don't know what that is, and I didn't, so, so go read that because he goes through some really good detail on it. And, uh, I learned a ton from Greg with his blog posts. It's something you want to, just like photo taco, I want you to to keep listening to subscribe there, you want to make sure you add gregbensphotography.com as a destination. You go check out pretty regularly for the blog posts that are there. Anywhere else they should look for you, Greg? Um, I'm on you know Facebook and all the usual places, but the, the best way to keep up with me is going to be just to uh, subscribe to my newsletter, and uh, then you'll get notified of all the new stuff. Perfect. Have you filled up your workshop in the, at the Creative Photography Retreat? You know, I think there's one space open because we counted me as an attendee. So it filled up, but I think we actually just opened one spot. So it may or may not be open. So if someone's trying to grab that, I'd say uh, give give me a shout if you have any questions. We'll try and fit you in, but it it may be full. Perfect. All right. So there's one spot left. If you're listening to this uh, in early January 2019, that may be open. You want to go over to createphotographyretreat.com and sign up for Greg's uh, luminosity masking workshop that he's going to run. Before the retreat, right, Greg? The day before? Yeah, it's March 27th. March 27th. Yeah, the retreat's 28th to 29th or 30th. And uh, and if you're interested, I am also going to be running some workshops at the Create Photography Retreat. I'm running a pre-workshop that's going to go through how to use your camera like a ninja. I'm going to teach you how to use all of the buttons and knobs and, and things that are there on your camera so that you don't miss the shot thinking about your settings. You are going to be able to kind of be very reactive and figure out how to, what settings you should use to capture the moment and get the shot you want. And then at the end, I'm going to do one that's a, a Lightroom. I'm calling it 201. It's best if you have a little of experience with Lightroom, but I'm going to go through like every uh, button knob and, and configuration thing that there is in Lightroom with those workshop attendees on the day after the retreat. So the Saturday the retreat ends. 
And uh, so if you're interested in that, go over to createphotographyretreat.com and uh, buy your ticket to the show. That would be great. And uh, the workshops. Plus, you can go to uh, phototacopodcast.com and I have a link to more information about my workshops there. All right. That's it for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, check out the show notes, phototacopodcast.com. Join the Facebook group, Phototaco Listeners. Just go search for that and ask to join. You do have to name a host of the show. So Greg will work. I'll take that. And Jeff, of course. And you can email the show, phototacopodcast at gmail.com. No question too basic or too complicated for the show. I will ask experts like Greg to come on with me and talk through some serious technical stuff like RAID systems. And uh, I'm so glad to have you listening. Uh, Be sure to check out the Master Photography Podcast Network. That's over at masterphotographypodcast.com. Together, we all want to help you master your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!